We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com B-E. That's IXL.com B-E. E. This is the Resilient Schools podcast on the B Podcast Network. I am the creator, Jethro Jones. In this podcast, we help schools become resilient, which means that they are able to adapt and overcome any situation that presents itself. Enjoy the show. This episode is from a previous interview that I did on the Transformative Principle podcast. And I'm collecting all of my trauma-informed podcasts and resources here on this feed. So if you're interested in more of that stuff, stay tuned to future episodes where we talk about how schools can be resilient. And to get access to everything that I've got around trauma-informed practices in schools and resilient schools, go to resilientschools.com and then connect with me by putting your email in at the bottom of the page. Want to know one of my biggest frustrations with EdTech? Having too many tools and not enough time to use them right. They require too much training and it takes too much effort to implement it effectively. That's why it makes such a difference that IXL can do the job of dozens of individual tools. So I have everything I need for instruction and assessment in one place. IXL is research proven to accelerate achievement. Studies across 45 states show that IXL schools outperform non-IXL schools on state assessments and independent research from Johns Hopkins University verifies that IXL meets ESSA Tier 1 standards. With those results combined with IXL's teacher-friendly reputation, what more could you ask for? I'm sure you want to increase achievement for all students. Find out how IXL can help. Visit IXL.com slash BE for a demo. That's IXL.com slash BE. Now, here's our episode from the vault. Hey, this is Jethro from Transformative Principle, and just want to welcome you to this episode today. I do want to give a little warning because this episode might be my first explicit tag. There's a little bit of language, a little bit of adult content, so just want to make sure that you're aware of that. But it's really good and totally worth it. So hope you enjoy this interview. Thanks so much for listening. And if you haven't yet, go sign up for the Transformative Leadership Summit at transformativeleadershipsummit.com.
www.transformativeprinciple.com. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 234. I am very excited to have with me today JT McCormick. And JT is not your uh, one of my typical kind of guests where usually I'm interviewing educational leaders. JT is actually the founder of Book in a Box. And turns out we have a mutual friend named uh, Don Wetrick and who hosts the Start Ed Up podcast. And you can check out his podcast at Start Ed Up podcast.com. I believe that's the website. And if not, go to Education Podcast Network and you find that. But JT, thank you so much for being on the show today. And I'm excited to talk with you. Thank you. Uh, Jethro, appreciate it. Always happy to to speak on education, given my lack of. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. And what I like is that despite your lack of education and uh, a challenging upbringing, you've still found a way to be successful and to help a lot of people achieve their dreams, which is a really powerful story in and of itself. So can you first just talk a little bit about your upbringing and what your what your life was like as a young man. And for those who, who don't know who you are already, I listened to an interview with JT on the One Thing podcast, and it was really an amazing story. And I was sure there was going to be some great educational insight. So if you don't mind just giving a little background about how you grew up and what your life was like. Oh, so well, I'll, I'll, I'll give you yeah, the, where to start. The, uh, yeah, I'll give, you, <laughs> I'll give you the cliff notes. And if you want to dive into any details, we can we can go down that path. My uh, gosh, my, my father, I was born in 1971. My father was a black pimp and drug dealer, and my mother was a white orphan. And she grew up in a 1950s or orphanage, the, the old school institutional neglect and beat and, and sexually abuse the children. And my father, uh, again, was was a pimp and, and not in the terms of what Somehow our society turned the word pimp into a positive word. And I don't know where that happened along the way, but my father was not a, a positive uh, person. He put women women on a street corner. They sold their bodies and they brought the money to to my father. And my he he fathered 23 confirmed children. I'm the only one by my mother. But I grew up in an environment of uh, pimps, prostitutes, heroin addicts, uh, welfare. Uh, you know, I ate trash out of the trash cans while every all the other kids went to recess. I was in and out of juvenile three different times. And when it came time to, to graduate, I never graduated high school. I had to go to summer school to get my uh, high school diploma, which was given to me by a janitor. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, ne- never went to college. But through all of that, I have managed to be the president of a software company that we scaled from uh, 13 people to well over 100 people with offices in Austin, Dallas, Houston, uh, in Monterey, Mexico. And now I am the uh, president and CEO of a publishing company where we publish uh, books and, you know, God bless America. You, you know, mindset, choices, hard work equals success. Yeah, I mean that that is amazing. And when I heard your story, I was sure there had to be somewhere in there a teacher or a principal or someone in school who really made an impact. And as we were talking before, it sounds like that actually was not the case. Can you tell me a little bit about that? No, you know, I, even when you ask me the question, I, I have certain teachers. I I remember just because we we all have those individuals we remember, but. 
not anyone I would say who was incredibly influential, who, you know, pushed me. And, you know, I, I don't have that motivational story of, oh, there was this teacher. She she stood by me and she, you know, took me the extra mile or this this teacher, he was always there for I, I don't have that that story. I, I was pushed through a bad educational system in, in Dayton, Ohio. And when I got to San Antonio, Texas, my uh, sophomore year of high school, I had shared with you that my mother took me to enroll into the high school and the counselor says, okay, you're in 10th grade, you should be in geometry. And truth be told, that was the first time I'd ever heard the word geometry. So I <laughs> let alone know what this class was going mm. to consist of. I That was the first time I heard the word. So uh, six weeks into it, into this new school, people found out quickly I, I wasn't a bright child and they tested me and I was testing on a fifth or sixth grade uh, level, but here I was in, in 10th grade, a sophomore. So, you know, long story short, by the time my senior year rolled around, uh, I didn't have enough credits to to graduate. And I, I even remember this, Jethro, uh, my my senior year, you know, I was in the, the classes at the end of the hall or out in the portable. So that those were the not that smart kid. But I remember my final semester of my senior year, I was starting pre-algebra. And if you look at kids these days, they're starting pre-algebra fifth, sixth grade. And I was my senior year and I struggled with it. It wasn't even like, you know, I I started it and that was about all I was doing was starting it because I still uh, struggled with it. But I'll say this to you, as I said it at a, a recent conference I was speaking at, what I quickly learned as I, I got older and into my 20s, into my professional career, there is no geometry on a deposit slip. So <laughs> it's uh, that's good. I, I, I never learned geometry, but I, I learned some different math. Yeah. And you learn the math that matters. You're very successful now, president of a software company, CEO of a publishing company and, and done some amazing things. You mentioned before a little bit about the three things that made it work. What is it that that made you successful despite the challenges that you faced and the education system that didn't necessarily help you out? Uh, You know, mindset choices and hard work equal success for me. You know, now now many will challenge that. And many of the things that you hear me say, I know people will disagree with or try to poke holes in or, or even be negative about it. But these are the things that have served me. And when I say mindset, you know, I get up each morning at about 4 a.m. And so many people will ask me, my God, JT, how do you get up every morning at 4 a.m.? And I'm human. You know, there's days where I want to hit the snooze button. There's days where I want to go back to sleep. There's days where I don't want to get up. But but I think to myself and I say to myself, okay, right now, there is a person in a hospital bed with cancer who's never going to leave that hospital room. They would give anything just to get up on their own two feet and walk to the restroom, let alone walk out of the hospital, just walk to the restroom. And I have the incredible gift that I get to get out of bed and achieve my my dreams and goals. And if And if there's anything that I don't like in life, it's up to me to change it. And so that's just my mindset. And then choices, well, we, we all have the choice. Each morning I go to the gym, I've got to pass a McDonald's on the way. Jethro, I love McDonald's. I'll, I'll own it. You know, most people will say, oh, McDonald's. No, I'll own it. I love McDonald's. Especially those hash browns, There man. you go. See? Oh, man. Uh, yep. But, you know, I have the choice. 
do I stop at McDonald's or do I go to the gym? And it's it, so it comes down to mindset, choices, and hard work. Uh, hard work, man, I am not afraid of it. I if, if Jethro, if you work 24 hours, I'm going 25. You go 36, I'm going 37. Uh, I, I am just not afraid to go the extra mile and do what's necessary to, to achieve my, my dreams and goals. And so where did that come from, JT? Because so many times we hear about people growing up in a situation like yours or even a better situation than yours, and they they get stuck in a victim mentality. How did you, where did you get that, that idea that mindset choices and hard work equals success? It, it's, it came over, over time. And I will say this for us, especially since the, given your, your audience and your, in your podcast, you know, so, so many times I'm asked, JT, what would you tell a kid? You know, what would you tell a 10 year old JT? What would you tell a, a high school JT. And it's not always what you tell a kid. Sometimes it's what you show them. And what what I mean by that, one of the real impactful areas of my life was I was living in Houston, Texas. I was 10 years old. And I remember my father drove me through a neighborhood called River Oaks, very exclusive neighbor, neighborhood, you know, 10, 15, $30 million homes. And it was the first time I had seen anything like that. I mean, you you have homes that are larger than some uh, housing projects, and one family lived in these houses. And I remember when I saw that, thinking to myself, okay, I want one of those. I'm going to have one of those. So, so for me, it's not always what you tell a kid, it's what you can show them. And, and if you, you work, work with me here, three of the greatest moments of my life, one, when I married my wife, two, the the birth of, of all my children, and then three, I had the incredible privilege that I used to um, mentor uh, at-risk youth. They, were, they would go from the juvenile prison to the halfway house and then back out into society. Well, when they were at the halfway house, I had the incredible privilege to bring them to my office when I was president of a software company. And why that was such, why that's such an impactful moment for me is I realized that these kids for the first time got to see an office building. And it may have been the only time in their life had had we not arranged that for them to see an office building, monitors, laptops, uh, software code, a, a break room. And, and I remember the kids being so excited about the doors on the restrooms where, you know, we take stuff like that for granted. And yeah, they were nice doors, but they weren't that great. But it was something that they saw, you know, two big drop down screens in a conference room. They had never seen an office before, been on that type of elevator. So that that one of my top three moments in life was being able to do that for those boys. Wow, that's that's pretty amazing. And when you talk about showing someone something, can you talk more about that? Like, how can I, as a school principal, show kids something when, like, I can't really like go drive them around this the city or anything like that? Is there another way that we could show something, or does it have to be in person for them to see it for it to make an impact? No, not not at all. So, so I'll give you a great example, and 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 I say this, oh gosh. I say this very respectfully, but it just grinds in the back of my mind. There's a viral video going around right now 
of of a teacher, and I've got so much respect for him because he's he's building connection with his students. But these students line up, he stands in front of the door, and they do their custom handshakes that they he has with each student. And and I, I have an immense amount of respect for him because he's building a connection. And now another teacher, a female teacher, she's gone off and done the same thing again ton of respect for both of these teachers because that's, those are things those kids are going to remember. However, when you're asking me the question, what can we show students? Where, where are we ever showing students how to shake hands? Give me a firm handshake. Look me in my eyes. Say, good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. When do we teach children to go into Burger King for their first job and say, uh, excuse me, sir, excuse me, ma'am, do you have any employment opportunities versus most of these kids are walking in saying, y'all hiring? No, we're not hiring you because we're hiring the person who comes in and says, do you have any employment opportunities? When are we showing kids that? When, when's, when is that lesson? Yeah. And like the custom handshake, that, that sounds great. And that feels good because it's like this little, this little blip and yes, there's a connection there, but there's gotta be more to that, right? There's gotta be something deeper that really teaches them the things that they need to know. So on that, on that case, what are the things that we should be teaching kids to know and a firm handshake? That's, that's one thing. What else you got? A firm handshake manners. I'm of the mindset, and I say this because these are a few things that have served me well in life, very well in life. And it's interesting because they're such basic things, but they're such huge differentiators for children, students, people, you know, going out and getting their first job. I'm blown away why there's not a class your your freshman year, senior year of high school, whatever, called Life Essentials, where you teach someone how to shake hands and have a firm handshake. That will serve you the rest of your life. Knowing when Christopher Columbus accidentally stumbled up on America does not serve me. It does nothing for me. But teaching me to shake hands, look someone in the eye, say, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, can I please teaching me manners, teaching me a handshake. And and I'll take it a step further. Where's the class on teaching me about credit card debt? Where's the class that teaches me how to write a check, how to save money? Don't buy the new Jordans, compound interest. Where's that class? Because those are the things that serve me in life. Telling me about, you know, not that it's not important, dates of the Civil War, they don't serve me in life, especially because such such a huge amount of these children who are from the, the communities where I come from, the low economic communities, they most will not go to college. The ones that do, some won't finish, and then you'll have some that, that will get through. But when we know 40% of all children who graduate high school will never go to college, how do we dare not have a class called Life Essentials? Let's talk about flex time in schools. If you've been listening for a long time, you know how important I think this is. It gives us more time for personalized learning, increasing choice and agency for students, and the increased enrollment that comes with it, dedicated time for intervention and enrichment. And overall, as school leaders, it gives us and our faculty more tools to increase academic achievement. But the implementation and management of flex time can be so tough. 
tricky logistics and a lack of clear accountability systems can prevent teachers from buying in and can hold us back from ensuring students make good use of their time. I'm pleased to share that MyFlex Learning provides a solution to these challenges and more. MyFlex Learning helps you create and manage flexible time for any purpose. And with seamless SIS integration, a student locator, flexible daily rostering, and an intuitive mobile app, it eliminates the common challenges of implementation and management. Want to see for yourself? Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more about it and receive $500 off the first year of use. That's myflexlearning.com B-E. So you're going to love uh, the story that I share right now about one of my teachers that was on the podcast last week. So those of you who are listening are going to hear it again, but it was so powerful that it's exactly what you're talking about. So she's a social studies teacher teaching about the Civil War, and she's like trying to figure out how she's going to have time to teach all the things that she needs to teach. And I said, hold on a minute. What is the one thing that you want kids to get out of this unit that you're going to do that's going to last two or three weeks. What's about the civil war? What's, or or I'm sorry, not the civil war (laughs) about the founding of the, of the um, United States of America. What's the one thing you want them to get out of this? And she said, I want them to know that their voice matters. And I was like, Oh my goodness, that is exactly what really does matter. Like you can teach that in a whole bunch of different ways, but teaching them that their voice matters and that's your goal of what they learn. That's way more important than who actually signed or wrote or what the Bill of Rights are. Your voice matters. Now, when you know your voice matters, then you care more about the Bill of Rights and you care more about what your rights are as a citizen than if you have if you have no belief that your voice matters anyway. Totally. Totally. You, you know, to that that level as well, because now, now you've got me on my rant now. You you asked me what it were a couple <laughs> other things that um kids could learn or teachers could could share with students. I find this one incredibly interesting. So for me, I have this desire to want to get every class, uh, school, a subscription or, or at least the one copy of the Forbes 400. And the reason being is if you ever notice let, let me step back a second. Where I come from, here were my three avenues out of the, the hood. And let's keep in mind, the hood does not, the hood knows no color. Poor is poor. There, there's, there's mm-hmm. you know, the Latino, black, white, poor is poor. So when I say the hood, the hood is 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 everywhere that that's uh, of low economic uh, means. But I knew my way out was going to be athlete, rapper, or drug dealer. Well, I sucked at all three. So yeah, I wasn't. The, <laughs> well, that's right. not good. So there, those weren't options for me. But it's the damnedest thing, Jethro. No one, no one told me of this fourth option. No, I had never heard the word entrepreneurship. And if I did, I would have thought you were speaking a foreign language. No one said you can be a wealth advisor. No one said you could be a pharmaceutical rep. Uh, you could work on Wall Street. None of those options were ever shown explained, taught, anything. And so where where I'm going with this in the Forbes 400, it's the damnedest thing. When I was mentoring these these at-risk youth and they would want to ask questions about money, I would ask them, who are the, the people you consider rich? 
And I'd get a lot of the athletes and the rappers. And so what I did was I comprised some of those people that they considered rich or wealthy. And some of them were worth 200 million. Some were worth, you know, 70 million, uh, one or two, maybe 500 million, 700 million. So what I did is I, I brought in the Forbes 400 and I sat down with them and I said, okay, look, this is Michael Dell. Michael Dell is worth $22.3 billion. Now, the rapper that you like over here, he's worth $300 million. That is the 0.3 in Michael Dell's net worth is $300 million. <laughs> And so when they got to see that, it opened their eyes like, oh, wow, that's really wealthy. There's so I, I, And I explained, there's rich and there's wealthy. And so for me... I'm real big on if you are going to think, if you are going to dream, if you are going to set goals, think big, dream big, set big goals, because it takes the same amount of time to think small as it does to think big. Oh, man, that that is so powerful. I love that. And people in education, we can sometimes be a little bit strange in that we we do not think that money is the goal. And yet it seems like that's everybody else's in the world's goal. And so it's not, we always make up reasons why we shouldn't really be chasing money because we're educators. So we don't chase money because that would be ridiculous. If we wanted money, we wouldn't have gone into education. So is that the thing that we, we should be pushing kids to drive after is money? What's your thought on that? Uh, I, I believe there's a, there's a balance, you know, there's money does not bring complete happiness but I will say this, I much rather have money and still be in search of happiness than to be broke and still in search of happiness. So because I've been broke, I've been hungry, I've stood in, in, in welfare lines. Um, you know, I, I, I express to people all the time that, you know, growing up in the 70s, mixed race, half black, half white was not cool, was not a good look. You know, I, I was called everything from uh, chocolate and vanilla squirrel to Oreo cookie to color confused. And my favorite was, was zebra. And I remember coming home one day from the bus with, with my mom and finding all our belongings on a curb. And the landlord comes running out and says, I'm sorry for, for saying this, Jethro, but he tell, he gets in my mom's face and he says, no nigger lovers can live here. And I remember looking at my mom thinking to myself at five years old, wow, we have no money, we have no family, and we have no place to go. What are we going to do? And so when when we say, yes, is, is money the goal? Is money what we're after? No, I, I've been fortunate that I've made some money now, and money does not bring complete happiness but given that I've been poor and now I have money, I can tell you I much rather have money and, and continue to, to seek happiness than to be broke, hungry and, and try to find happiness. Yeah. And and I totally believe that. And it's it's something that no matter no matter what, most kids are seeking after that anyway. And so we might as well help them set those big goals and you know, being an, an athlete, a rapper, or a drug dealer is either not possible for everybody or not a good deal for the drug dealer part. However, being an entrepreneur, 
that opens up so many different opportunities that you can be an entrepreneur, make a good living and serve and bless a lot of people's lives. And also like have a very broad range of income from, you know, just barely scraping by to really having a ton of income. What is it about being an entrepreneur that is, is so valuable and, and we should be focusing on more with our young people? Even if it's not an entrepreneur, Jethro, you know, I read an article the other day, um, and, and this goes back to what could we show children? What can, what can we explain to, to children? Many children just don't understand the, the ways of the world. And what I mean by that is, is, is follow me here for a second, because I'm going to cover entrepreneurship, but, but also people who have to go out and get that first job. Someone asked me the other day, they said, okay, JT, if you lost it all, if you lost every dollar, what would you do? And I said, well, I have a million dollars again within 12 months. And then they challenged me again. They said, okay, but what if you could only go work at McDonald's? And I gave them a complete breakdown. I said, okay, I'd go in and I'd get my application. I'd get my job. Uh, One, I'd land the job right off the bat because as soon as they asked me what hours I can work, I'd say I'd work any hours that are available. I'll be here on time every day. (laughs) You know, if you want me to take out the trash, show me where the trash bags are. I am going to have spotless toilets and I'm going to do that for three months. After three months, I'm going to ask, may I learn fries? May I learn uh, the drive through? I've been there six months now. After that, I'm going to ask, may I learn cash register? Can I open and close? Now I'm there nine months. Well, let's pause there. Here's the thing. What people don't have explained to them is that turnover in fast food is so high that if you make it a mere six to nine months, you are a tenured person there. So now you start to move up the ranks. Long story short, let me stay there 12 months. Now I'm asking, can I be the assistant manager? Let me be there 15 months, 18 months. I'm going to be the general manager. Let me be there two years. I'm going to be a district manager managing multiple stores. And it's all going to start because my toilets are going to be the very cleanest in the damn city. But no one teaches that lesson to children, even adults at that point of put in the time, put in the hard work, put in the effort. We live in a country where we want everything right damn now. And no one, I say no one loosely, a great majority of our country, we don't want to work for anything anymore. Yeah, that is is so true. Now, when it comes to schooling, so many of the things that we have kids do can be seen as pointless or meaningless or uh, like a waste of time, basically. And you're saying even with those things, you put in that hard work and you do the things that you don't like or that aren't fun or that are boring and you just have personal excellence every single day. Every single day. And, and here's the the other thing as well with children. Again, I'm going to go back to, to show them. Show them examples of people who've done it, accomplished it, you know, that that have been successful. Let's show the the little girls female executives who have 
risen to the top of, of companies. Yeah, I know there's not a lot, but let's show them the ones that are out there. Let's show the black children of the, the executives who have risen to the, the, the top of their trades. And, and let's show them individuals who've come from those same neighborhoods that they may have come from and show them that, yes, look, this person got out. You know, I, when, when I speak to the at-risk youth, I tell them all the time, because this is very common in, in the hood, you know, oh, I'm representing my hood, I'm never going to leave the hood. No, son, the goal is to get the hell out of the hood, not to represent the hood. True, don't ever forget yeah. where you came from, great. But you know what? I much rather live in the gated community I am, I'm in right now than the hood. So the goal is to get out of the hood. Yeah, JT, there, there's so much in here. One of the things that you said that I want to go back to a little bit is that many children just don't understand the ways of the world. And you um, you talked about your three avenues out of poverty. And honestly, one of the reasons that I became a teacher is that I love to teach people things. And I was naive enough as a young man graduating college to think that being a teacher was the way that you teach people. But there, I've since learned, obviously, through doing this podcast, that there are so many different ways that you can teach people that is is so much more than that. And and that's something that, you know, I wish that somebody would have would have shown me that when I was younger. But for me, I saw the the typical jobs, teacher, lawyer, doctor, fast food worker, you know, those things that I could see easily didn't know that there were more things out there. How would you propose that a school leader gets those people or shows those people to the kids? Do we bring them in? Do we talk to them? Do we have them volunteer at the school? What What would you suggest is the best way for, for schools to show those people to, to our students? Yes, you, you do bring them in. You bring them in to, to show them to your students. And I live by this. I have built a career off of asking questions. What I learned early on in life, and a matter of fact, if you want to say influential teacher, remember I said there are certain teachers that I remember certain things. Third grade, Miss Dedek, I remember her saying, there are no dumb questions. Well, I was that kid who took that literally, and to this day, I will sit in a C-suite conference room with Fortune 500 executives, and I am not afraid to ask for anything. If something is said in a meeting and I don't understand it, I'm asking a question, because the worst thing you can say to me is no. Maybe it's uh, F off no, but it, it's no, but but I'm going <laughs> to keep asking. And, and for me, no just means not right now. And so I, I'm going to continue to pursue my goal, my dream. Nothing and no one will break me. And so, yes, bring those people in to show uh, the, those students. And why I went on my, my no rant there for a second. Worst case scenario, if you tomorrow decide, okay, I'm going to call three local entrepreneurs, business owners, and see if they'll come to the school. Worst case, they worst thing that's going to happen is they say no, but I, I'm willing to bet dollars that at least two of them say yes, because so many people truly do want to give back, but they too don't know where to start. Yeah, I, I, I've definitely seen that. And I've been able to connect with a lot of great people who have no reason to talk to me this middle school principal up in Alaska 
And, and yet here we are having this conversation and, and you're inspiring me and the hundreds of people that are listening to this. Um, so I just want to say thank you for that. You're welcome, sir. Thank you. The last question that I ask, and I've got a bunch more, but I want to respect your time. Last question I ask is, um, what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative leader? Show, show kids. Uh, you, you heard me talk about the, the Forbes 400. There's no secret that, that that particular issue is one of the biggest selling magazines uh, each year. And I, I understand from from an education perspective, you know, that that's that's talking about money, but we keep score. That's why the magazine is, is printed. So yep. I would say to be transformative, show those children, show them how to shake a hand uh, when, when they shake your hand and they give you the, the dead limp handshake. Uh, tell that child, you know, OK, firm it up, squeeze, squeeze my hand, look me in the eye, say good morning, sir. Good morning, ma'am. Teach that child some some manners because repetition, routine, discipline, structure, those are all the things that go into to success. My whole week, my days are so structured, routine, discipline, but that that routine and that discipline, that structure, that's what breeds success. And if you can show a, a child someone who has done it, that's that's golden it's platinum it's it's priceless because now they have something to measure that oh wow he did it she did it i can do it yeah that is definitely powerful so um people want to learn more about you jt where can they connect with you and learn more from you oh gosh as as you know i i answer all my emails my yes my thank email you is, <laughs> <laughs> my email is jt at bookinabox.com uh, easiest place to find me is on uh, LinkedIn. Uh, there's a, a website our company has created, uh, jtmccormick.com. So there's all kinds of different places uh, you, you can find me. And then the the book itself, I did my book and it was really for my children. I, I never, ever intended for my book to go public I wanted to write my children uh, my story so they would know where I came from. I wanted them to know that I don't know where my last name comes from. My mother was given that name in a children's home, and she has no clue where it comes from. I wanted my children to know, and 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 I want to share this with, with your audience. So if you give me the, the two minutes here. Absolutely. So much of, of life, the other piece that to, to share with your the children there at your school is as children, we didn't choose our parents. I didn't choose to have a pimp father and an orphan mother. That's what I was given. You know, uh, my, my children, I have three of them. They kind of won the lottery on parents. You know, they got a great dad, a great mom. They, they live a great lifestyle, but that's what they, they didn't get to choose. This is what they were, were given. And so what is very important is that children know we can't change the past. But you can change the next hour. You can change the future. And so for me, there are things from my past that still haunt me. When my dad's prostitute sexually molested me and she would force me as a six-year-old little boy to, quote unquote, go down on her. And when I didn't do it right, whatever that is at six years old, and she would smack me in the head and I'd cry and she'd keep smacking me until I, quote unquote, did it right. 
you know, that that still haunts me because it led to me developing an attitude of perfectionism. And we all know there's no such thing as perfect. So in many ways, some of the things have hindered me, but also led to success because that moment, I, I relive it often. And I always tell, my, tell myself, I will never be in a situation where I can't control what's going on. And that's, that's been, uh, it's been negative sometimes because you can't control every situation. And so what I really did this book for was for my children to know where I came from, what I've overcome, what I've gone through to get to where I am today. And then those around me told me, JT, if you don't make this book public, you're doing a disservice to society. So it was very hard for me to make this book public because there's a lot of ugly stories in there. I've struggled in life. I was horrible in relationships. I didn't want people to always know that I had a pimp father and an orphan mother and that I was mixed race and had no degree. So many times I was a chameleon and I was whatever I needed to be to get wherever I needed to go. And so when that book came out, it really just exposed everything about me. But I've come to learn that I want other children to realize doesn't matter your circumstances. You can get out of that shit. Oh, sorry. Sorry, Jethro. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. You know, I, one thing that I like about um, hearing you on the other podcast and on this podcast is that you didn't use your growing up as an excuse. You used it as a recognition of that's what it was and what am I going to do about it? And, and really like stuff happens all the time, some good, some bad, some in our control, some out of our control. And the only thing that we really can control is how we react to that. And like you describing those awful experiences that have shaped you into who you are, you figured out a way to be not in love with that, not happy about it, but how to use that to your advantage and use that to tell your story in a positive way. And I'm, I'm just so inspired by that because so many people are think that their life is awful because it's what's right in front of them. And they, they can get caught up in their own personal drama when, you know, yes, it could be much worse and they can still control so much about their situation, even if they feel like they can't control it. And so I just want to say thank you again, JT. This has been awesome for me, and I so appreciate your time. No, I, I appreciate it, Jethro, and I'll leave it at this. My mother used to say, uh, make a comment when I was a kid all the time. She would always try and reassure me, and she would always say, well, there's there's people worse off than us. And we were, we mm. were pretty poor. We, w- we would always make the joke that we were so poor, we, we, were, we couldn't afford the O and the R. We would just po. And so, yeah. but we, we were, we were us poor. I always say that because God knows there's other countries that that's, there's a whole different definition of poor out there. But my, my mother would always say there's people worse off than us. And I remember even as a child, I would, would say to myself, well, there's people better off than us too. And I'm going to focus on them because I can't, again, I can't say it enough. You can't change the past, no matter how much you sit and want to be a victim or blame someone else or complain, you cannot change it. 
But man, I can change the next hour. When I get off this call with you, I can get on my my laptop and I can study leadership. I can study business. I can study the stock market and and I can be anything in this world truly that I want to be. God knows here I am 46 years old. Never in a million years when I was was 15 years old would I have thought someone was going to want to hear my story on a podcast, and I damn sure didn't ever think that I'd be a president of a software company that can't write code and now a CEO of a publishing company, and I can't tell you an advert from a pronoun. God bless America. (laughs) That is so true. So that was a great interview with JT, and I am feeling so inspired to continue the work that I'm doing. And I asked him afterward what I could do to help him out. And he said, you know, if you keep on getting out there and keep showing kids what's possible, that would be helping me out. And so he asked also if I'd remind you to help people see what is possible and show kids what's possible. So if you could do that also... Show kids, I know that right now I am ordering a copy of the Forbes 400 and I'm going to just have that sitting in my office. When kids are in there, I want them to look at it. And that was a small, simple thing that we can each do, something to show them something that is better. Thanks so much for listening to Transformative Principle. If you like what you heard, there are three ways that you can get more from it. First, share the podcast with your friends and talk about it with them as well. Second, go to resilientschools.com and download the roles in a Resilient Schools cheat sheet. Third, reach out to us if you need training around any of the topics on this podcast by going to resilientschools.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com be to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash B-E. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash B-E to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash B-E.